is like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are here on our third episode for the Minton Box theme of May 2020. Um, and we'll be discussing Bong Joon-ho's The Host from 2006, um, which is, uh, I've kind of cheated with this selection, Corey. Did, did you realize that? Um, because you just bought it? Ah, true. I, actually, n- yes and no. I actually bought this movie on DVD a long time ago, so I, I do own it physical as well as now digital. But I'm double dipping with this movie because we're talking about it for Vampocalypse this week. So I two birds, one stone hey. uh, by making it work out that way. But um, so cheated a little, but in beneficial uh, ways. It, one, a lot of the Vampocalypse movies that we've covered, I'd seen before and I hadn't seen this one. So I like I really needed to watch it. And so committing it to the movie club made me you know, ensure that I would watch it because I, I generally put everything aside when I'm watching a movie club movie, which I don't always do for everything else. So I feel like it's just smart. Right, right. It's, it is, it is, but I feel it's, I haven't done that really before. We've not overlapped much. So it it was, I felt a little guilty. Like I'm usually having to like cram three movies in and then I'm like, Oh, Oh. I have to watch two. Uh, But, um, which worked out because I had a lot of work today. I I have barely done anything but work. uh, Like, teaching work today um because we are starting to wind down our year but uh listeners if you don't know movie club is a podcast where we uh pick themes we watch movies that at least one of us have never seen before in this case of the host neither of us have seen this film and um this is a filmmaker who i'm really interested in so i, I like diving into the two uh, filmmakers filmographies Corey, not as much as i do but that is kind of an obsession of mine um which is part of the reason why i picked the host but uh, we like to watch movies, and this is a way of making sure that we watch at least one new film every week. Even though right now, in our times of pandemic crisis, I think comfort movies are super important. And I keep like getting the urge to watch some of my favorites, and then I have not really gone and done that. So I, I think I might have to take some time this week after I get all of my my school stuff done to like w- just binge some uh, some beloved films. Like I've been really wanting to watch Karate Kid lately. Okay. That's- it's like a classic for me. It's one that I've, I've always loved. Um, been getting uh, a heartbeat loud is a newer oh, yes. one that I just I it, it it hits the right beats for me and it makes me feel good. Um, and uh, yeah, but um, we're gonna get into that before we get into our full review of the host. We like to see how we've been doing. It hasn't been that long since we recorded the last one of these. Uh, we were off cycle for a couple of weeks there, but. Um, and then what, what else we've been watching since our last recording? So, Corey, how you doing? I'm fine. Um, I mean, I'm not very interesting, so not a lot going on over here. I mean, there's not a lot to be going on. I yeah, imagine, even people, without but... a pandemic, John. Even oh, without okay. one. <laughs> no, it's sad. I just keep getting emails about, oh, this show's been postponed, you know, mm. and we'll refund you your money. You know, I still haven't been refunded my money for Tool, which was supposed to happen in March, the beginning of March, I think like March 5th or 6th, and then uh, they also haven't set a new date. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. We should have been seeing Youngblood this month. I don't remember what day, but um, they had canceled that, you know, back in March, and, and they're supposed to be giving my wife a refund, and I don't think she's gotten that yet. Um, it always seems to be the expensive tickets. Like, all the other shows are like... Like, Caroline Rose just got postponed, and they're like, your money will be refunded at point of purchase. Like, we will be rescheduling the show, but then it's like, I don't know. It's just sad, because it's like, you already don't have a lot to look forward to. And really, the only things that I go out for are movies and to see shows, and... Yeah. Well, this is... I should be, like, in prime movie-going mode right now, because it is approaching the summer, and instead, I'm just like, well, what am I going to watch this month? What new will there be? Because we don't know which studios are going to go with the digital the same day kind of thing. 
Mm. Um, we, a lot of the big summer movies though have been pushed back already. You know, Wonder Woman eighty four has been pushed back. Uh, Black Widow should have came out I think last week or the week before, and that's been pushed back. So a lot of the the real big ones that we've been looking forward to probably won't come out. And then like um, Emily and Kamel, uh, that's Kamel and Johnny, not not a good friend of mine, and Emily Gordon, his wife, who uh, rode the big stick together about their their life. Um, their podcast I've mentioned a few times because it is it is really helping me through uh, some of the long days. That and Blank Check. Um, I, I became a, a, a Patreon to Blank Check, so I have like almost two years worth of um, Patreon exclusive episodes that I've not heard. So that's been my like kind of getting me through the day type of like listening stuff. But um, 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 Kamel and Emily had uh, their interview episode came out today with Edgar Wright, who is my favorite director. And I was like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Um, what a, what a morning. Uh, and then it, but then it made me realize that Edgar Wright's new movie um, one night in Soho was supposed to come out this fall. And I don't know if it's going to now, like, because I'm pretty sure it was going to debut. I thought it was going to debut at South by, but that doesn't look like that's the case. So it probably was going to debut at TIFF and TIFF is, I'm pretty sure, canceled. If it hasn't officially yet, it will be. Um, And so, ah, you know, I don't know if it's if he'll just put it on the the streaming platforms. He's a kind of a purist when it comes to um, Mm. cinema. So I can't imagine him not doing a theatrical release. And so I don't know if he'll hold it off the movie or what he'll do, but. Um, it is concerning uh, for fans of his work because he doesn't have that many movies. So, like, I was really looking forward to getting another one. Um, and, yeah, now who knows? And that's just cinema, right? Um, I guess good news for uh, AMC, though, is like it looks like Amazon might be buying AMC franchise. Um, oh. oh. Which, which would keep them from going bankrupt. So, Why was I thinking? You mean, like, the theaters, right? Right. Because why was I thinking AMC? The network? Yeah. No. Uh, it is the uh, it is the theater chain. Um, I didn't read the article, though, but I do. I recognize the uh, the logo. Um, but uh, they've been in, like, financial disarray for a little while, and then now their scuffle with Universal did not help matters. So Amazon buying them could be a good thing long-term, could be bad thing. Uh, or, I'm sorry, good thing short-term, bad thing long-term. Um because at some point, like we're getting into you know monopolies again, and we're already in a recession, so more businesses owning things isn't necessary. Or I'm sorry, less businesses owning more is not necessarily a good thing. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I don't want theaters to close, and right now that is where it looks like it would be heading. Um, I, I'd like to see uh, the return of more and more drive-in theaters. Um, because that would be the safest social distancing. And we do have one in our, in our County and I really enjoy that theater. Um, it's kind of far, so we don't go very often, but, uh, you know, um, with the, the current need for social distancing, I'm all about the, uh, the theater. So the drive-ins, I should say. So I don't know. I am, I am sad still about the lack of movie theaters, but I totally understand. I'm not advocating they open early um same thing with concerts Uh, yeah it's like i want to go but i probably wouldn't go i'm sad that these are our circumstances yes yes i am um very very sad that this is the current existence and i'm reminded daily of the various little things and sometimes those things really wear on me um like even just like is this like uh, I, I try to be planned when I go grocery shopping normally, even before pandemic, but like, I, you know, I forget like, Oh, I should have got this. Or I, I, I'd like to, I didn't think about doing this side dish with this meal, but now I'd like to kind of thing. And now it's like, is it worth going back out? And the answer is should be always no. Um, it's a little different for me uh, because my wife is working as an essential employee in retail. So she's already exposed and coming home. So granted, I shouldn't add to that by going out more or even because she is go out and coming in. But it is one of those things. It's like, you know, uh, I wish we were less exposed than we are. But, you know, we're taking precautions, but it still feels like a lot of chaos overall. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, it's been a, a fairly busy weekend. And uh, I am curious if you had time to watch anything new since we last talked. Okay, so I finished Daria, but didn't realize that I was finishing Daria, because 
even though I've seen it like a bajillion times, it just like ends. They mm-hmm. do a movie or two afterwards to try to like wrap stuff up, but like the show, it just ends. And I'm seeing that a lot. Like uh, King of the Hill did the same thing, which this was my first time finishing King of the Hill, but it's just like, I don't know why, like if they're just not renewed for another season or whatever, but I was just, it just started playing another episode of a different show that I was in the middle of an episode for. Mm, and yeah, yeah. Cause I work from home and I like, I'll make my lunch real quick. And then I like to sit and watch a show, you know? Um, yeah. On my lunch. But, and then I tried to watch Wendigo yesterday. It's on uh shutter and it has Patricia okay. Clarkson and I'm forgetting the name of the other actors, but I love Patricia Clarkson. I would like to adopt her as my mother. Um, right. I gladly. Um, and then, and it just was like such poor quality. Like oh. it was like it looked to me like someone had recorded the movie on like an old VHS video camera or something. It's like so fuzzy. There's like no, not a lot of definition. Um, I don't know. It was just like really bad quality. And I got 33 minutes into it, and I was like, oh my god, this is horrible. And then also the story just wasn't very, you know, and then I watched the host. Gotcha. Um, I watched, uh, I, I did a lot of rewatches, but they were with my wife. Uh, we got a new couch. So uh, suddenly like, it's not, it's not so bad being in the living room again. Um, our other couch had kind of seen better days and it, it was a hand me down. And then our pets got to it and it didn't help. Um, but uh, we have a brand new couch and, uh, so we 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 kind of broke it in and watched a few movies together, which we hadn't done in a while. But we watched um, Kathy had never saw Five Feet Apart, um, which I was I, was kind of intentional. I've kept it from her because she sometimes emotional movies hit harder for her. And um, I like warned her before we even started. I was like, you know, you are gonna cry, and I cry a lot in this movie. I think I cried like five times like throughout the film. Um, I'm a big fan of this film. I think it is really good melodrama um, with amazing performances from Haley Lou Richardson, who is quite possibly the most underappreciated actress right now. I don't think enough people know who she is and they should. Um, and I got a man, Dylan Sprouse, I think is the one who's in this. Um, I always screw up which ones, which I hit the wrong movie. Hang on a second. Um, but I, it's about, uh, uh, Oh, nope. It's Cole. Cole is in this one. Cole is the good actor. Dylan is the mediocre actor. Um, but uh, I was I was really impressed with so much about this movie and my wife enjoyed it. Um, and then the next day we watched uh, I didn't put them on my letterbox diary because I didn't like fully commit to watching them. But I think I watched both of them for the most part. Uh, we rewatched um, Greatest Showman, uh, which she threw on because she wanted something like upbeat and happy. And that movie is it's it's so contradictory to the actual person but it is a, as a movie it's very upbeat and happy um and then i'm trying to remember, we watched something else um like partial and i pitch perfect 2 is on like um basic cable like i don't know if it was freeform or something and i like pitch perfect 1 a lot like i love that movie pitch perfect 2 i think is okay and then they they premiered Pitch Perfect three on on Basic Cable or I, to me, it was the first time I've seen it on Basic TV. I don't know if they've done that in a while, but Pitch Perfect three is so bad. It like hits monumental levels of badness. Have you seen uh, any of the Pitch Perfect story? I saw Pitch Perfect one. It was okay. Um, ah, it's great. Not my kind of movie. Um, and I just don't feel like Anna Kendrick is ever allowed to be as funny as she is. Like. I've seen interviews with her, and I just think that she's so freaking hilarious. So much oh. funnier than I was expecting. But And I haven't Have seen her seen in a Mr. lot of movies. Right? No. Oh, I, I'm a big fan of, of Kendrick. You need to watch Mr. Right. It's uh, Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick, which I love both of them. It's it's super zany. It's like weird zany, but it it's it's so much fun. Um, if you can get on board with the premise, it is a ridiculously fun movie. Um, and it's dark fun, because like, he's, he's a hitman. Uh, so people are going to die, but it's done with like a, a weird sense of humor. It, it's, I don't know. It really worked for me. Um, I, f- I feel like it's a Max Landis movie, but I might be wrong who, who wrote it. But um, 
it's somebody else if it's not him that that is interesting and not everybody likes but um and then uh a simple favor i love her in that movie although that's not as much of a there's humor in it but it's not as much of a comedy but i really enjoyed that film um big i'm a i'm gonna say i'm a big anna kendrick anna kendrick fan overall um well the last thing i haven't actually finished i'm about an hour into it uh, i'm re-watching delicatessen <gasps> i uh, love that movie yeah, we watched. We did an episode of Movie Club a while back um, for that this movie, but I'm watching it for Vampocalypse uh, now, and um, yeah, uh, it it's better than I thought actually. When I I picked that one, um, given that it's like dystopian, but there's a lot about it that I found like even there's a discussion of misinformation of the government. Like there's this whole conspiracy <laughs> theory element of it. And I'm just like, wow, that's appropriate right now. And it's it's that's one of the fun things is we picked a lot of these movies. It's fun and scary. How like when you watch a movie like Contagion, which is trying to like kind of this is what a pandemic would look like and how accurate that is is scary. But when you watch movies that are like like fluff or comedic or meant to be like they don't necessarily feel like they have a political commentary behind them. And now, like, with the context of having lived through a pandemic, feeling, yes. like, how spot on some of these movies are, it's scary because you're like, wow, I took this as, like, you know, surrealist art. And it's like, nope, this is exactly how people behave. And that is scary. Um, oh, so, God. Uh, Look at movie, us having I, I'm a big... faith in humanity, though. We had faith in humanity. And then they just showed us what's what. Yeah. Well, I am a big fan of... I want to say I'm a big fan of Jean-Pierre Genois. I love Delicatessen. I love Amelie. And I am a big fan of The Child- the City of Lost Children, um, which I've seen once. I still have not watched Miss Mag- Mig Mags, which we bought. Uh, this We should be doing it for Mitten Box because we totally bought that like, oh a year God. ago and we have not watched it. I'll, I'll um, find somewhere but, to put it in. But we, uh, we both hated Alien Resurrection um, <sighs> that he directed. I don't know how he directed that movie. It does not feel anything like his other three films that I've seen. Um, but I, I love Delicatessen and I'm actually loving it even more this time around. Um, I don't know if it's uh, partly cause I'm watching it with the pandemic lens and I am like, wow, this movie's brilliant. And I'm also, I just, I love his aesthetic. His color palette is so yes. unique and it's, it's, it's like, it feels muted, but it's, it's also vibrant. And there's this like uh, antique kind of hint to it where it feels old yet. It's, it's always, well, Amelie's modern delicatessen's. I guess it's futuristic, if anything, but it's not really futuristic. Um, I just, man, I, I'm so into uh, so much. And Dominique Pinion, who is uh, in all of his movies, but this is the one movie where he's the lead. Um, I, I love him in this movie. Like, I just find him so charming, and his whole circus performance bit is so great. Uh, there's so many little quirky things that Genois seems to bring. Um, I'm just all about this movie. It's can't wait to talk to matt about it uh, i don't remember if matt had seen it before and i think he had um but yeah it, it's uh, I, I still have like 30 minutes left but it's um i i'm i'm looking forward to finishing it as soon as we i think as soon as we get off the podcast so um that's that's all i haven't really i think i watched one or two more episodes of what we do in the shadows um and maybe one of community because i'm kind of like bouncing back and forth community i've seen before so I'm throwing that on if I'm like busy and then what what we do in the shadows I'm putting on when I'm kind of watching it because I, I do want to actually pay attention to it. Uh, there's an episode on that show. Uh, I think it's episode seven in season one where there's just like so many jokes um, for uh, fans of v- vampire movies. Um, like <laughs> so many things I'd love for I would really like to talk about it, but I feel like. I didn't know anything going into the episode, so like I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. But um, it's it's definitely uh, if you're a fan of vampire movies, I think people will get a kick out of episode seven for sure. All right, um, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be discussing uh, Bong Joon Ho's The Host. All right, we are back. Um, this episode again, this is a mint in box episode. We are discussing the 2006 movie, The Host. Don't confuse it with the 2011 movie, The Host. Um, I believe they are significantly different. Uh, this one has an 85 Metascore, and I believe the 2011 one had like a 33 or something like that. But oh. uh, the premise of The Host is a monster emerges from Seoul's Han River and begins attacking people. 
One victim's loving family does what it can to rescue her from its clutches. Um, again, directed by Bong Joon-ho, uh, written by him and Won Jun-ha and others. Uh, stars Kang Ho Sung, Hee Bong Won, I hope I said that one right, I probably didn't, uh, Hai Il Park, Duna Bay, Koa Sung, D- uh, Su Oh. Oh, really? That's interesting. He's the monster. I wonder how that works. I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming the monster was motion capture, but I'm not 100% on that. Um, if you've seen any of Bong Joon-ho's other films, uh, which, Corey, have you? Have you seen Snowpiercer? I love that movie. I saw it in theaters. Oh, wow. Lucky. I wish I saw that in theaters. I was very it, late to that one. It, it was that bad movie experience that I had, though, at the theater that's only like two blocks from my house, where... It took like 20 or 25 minutes for the movie to start because first there was picture and no sound and then they turned it off and Uh then a while later it was sound and no picture and it took them a long time to get it right and then they didn't even like say anything to us as we were walking out but there was like a group of employees standing outside so but the movie is great and I love it and I really like the cast. Yes and have you seen Parasite? Yes. So um Kang Ho Song is in both of those movies, um, who is our uh, main guy here in The Host. Um, but in Parasite, he's the father or the patriarch of the family. And then in Snowpiercer, he is the, um, the I forget the name of the drug, but he's like the drug addict um, that they wake up and he's like the engineer or something where he knows like how to open the doors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a regular for Bong Joon-ho. Uh, they've worked together on several films. Um was not really familiar with the rest of the cast, although um, the daughter is in some... Uh, she's in Cloud Atlas, I think, and I guess that's the only movie I've seen that she's in. But um, yeah, I uh, knew very little about this movie other than I, I had uh, bought it on a whim a while back, um, not realizing who the director was, uh, becoming a very aware that I need to watch more of his movies after he won the Oscar this year. And um, that I love both Snowpiercer and Parasite so, so much. So I was excited to, to dive into the host. Um, kind of, that's not really a pun, I guess, but it's a good joke because there's a lot of diving into rivers in this movie. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, let's hear your thoughts, Corey. What did you think of the host? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I felt like it was a little long. <laughs> Um, I think that, uh, it's interesting kind of seeing his common themes though, of like power and, uh, hmm, like, like social class. I feel like the social class is in this one, but maybe not as much as obviously Snowpiercer or Parasite. Um, and then I, I liked it. I did feel like it went on for a while, but I thought it was um, interesting. I didn't, I didn't have any issues with the length. Um, I I kind of love this movie. Um, I, one, I, I th- thought it was just going to be a monster movie. And I couldn't quite figure out how the host element came into it. Um, and then, because uh, I also like the reason it's on the apocalypse. So I had, when we were building the list of movies, um, we I looked up like apocalyptic movies or dystopian films or um, pandemic films, and I I feel like it was listed under like pandemic, and I didn't know why, um, which I won't get fully into right now because this is uh, the spoiler free portion. But um, I was I was intrigued at how it uh, the monster plays into the story. Um, I did a little bit of research. I wanted to do some interpretation stuff, uh, like I wanted to read other people's thoughts. I didn't really get to. I was uh, super busy today, but I did read. Um, that the opening of this film, which is a, a guy working in a, uh, like, I believe it's a morgue or he, or at least a hospital. He's working with like, there's, there is um, formaldehyde and an American actor uh, tells a Korean actor, well, Korean character to uh, pour them down the sink. And he's like, but this leads, it'll lead into the river. And there's very believable, like kind of a, a, a underling like trying to explain to the boss why it's not okay and yet being terrified to do that out of like fear of reprisal and eventually he's basically told pour it down the drain and that is the implication is that's what leads to this monster 
existing. Um, but apparently that whole sequence is based on truth. Uh, that that what? actually happened. Um, not the monster part, but the uh, the pouring down of the the chemicals down the drain um, by like an American employee uh, who d- didn't care about the environment or something like that. They're, it's it was like an, a legal case or something that uh, Bong Joon Ho started this premise from. So like uh, like, and it was because the bottles were dusty, which makes Dude, zero sense. It's yeah, like, the pickle <laughs> bodies. Why would you think that that's okay to put into a water source? Right. Um, oh my so, god. That whole sequence was based on some some truth, and again, obviously not so much uh, with the monster, to my knowledge. Um, but uh, the monster shows up, and I love how the monster shows up. Um, I love one of the things that I really like about Bong Joon Ho in general is his uh, ability to craft characters, um, and also the world. Like he's really good at world building without being like overt or like overly expository. Wordy. Um, yeah, and, and we get, I mean, there's some dialogue. I mean, we meet, uh, I, I, the setup and payoff in this is really strong. Like, um, it's a family, so we have a, a grandfather, um, and then he has I, three kids um, that initially are all separate. The the, the son, the screw-up son, is played by Kang Ho Song, um, and his name is, uh, I guess, Gang Du, um, is how you say his Sounds name. Right. Um, oh, I was wrong. It's the aunt that is in Cloud Atlas, not the uh, not the daughter. His oh. daughter, uh, Hyun Seo, which I'm definitely saying wrong. She's in Snowpiercer too. I wonder if she's his girlfriend slash daughter in that. I think that she, oh. yeah, it looks like she was the one. I think that she's the one who breaks out with the kid. At the yeah, end. yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler. Shoot, um, sorry. It's okay. Uh, but that's spoiler for a different movie. Um, but the ant is established to be an archer in like, uh, I guess it's like the Olympics or like a event, um, like the Olympics. And she's, so she's on TV when we first meet her. The other brother is supposed to be the success story, but he is also having a hard time outside of like, he went to school and university, but he can't find work now. Um, and it appears partly cause he's maybe rebellious, um, or like, isn't able to follow orders or something along the lines. That's the kind of the, the vibe of his character. Um, and the grandfather owns, or the, he's not, he's the grandfather of the girl because everything is kind of referenced in that perspective. Um, but he, uh, they have like a shop, like a little, um, kind of an interesting thing. Cause it's like, almost like it's his restaurant. Cause they have mat number four or mat number five, but there's like no outdoor area, but it's like a food truck almost. Um, or like a newspaper stand type food truck where like they sell like instant noodles and stuff like that. Um, and man, that opening sequence, just we get to know that the daughter is kind of ashamed of her dad. And like, they're, they're clearly in a little poor. She's embarrassed by her cell phone, which this is 2006. So it, the phones are already kind of not great anyways, but hers is apparently especially not great. And you just get this really interesting dynamic immediately of the family and how the family is merged together. Um, and then the craziness of that attack, when the attack happens, um, Oh man, I just that whole scene. Um, the the film in general is just so well crafted, and um, I can I can see what you mean with length. It, it feels like there's probably two or three scenes that are not quite repetitive, but they could be cut out, and you wouldn't not lose necessary. much. Um, but I feel like all of them are there to build uh more of the family dynamic. He he does like us to sit with the families in his films. And kind of um, ensure that we get who they are and why they're like doing what they're doing, why they make the choices that they make, um, and that's part of the setup payoff because every all all the family members get a setup payoff of some degree, um, and some are really impactful when they pay off, and that's what benefits that that kind of slow burn. Well, that's weird. Um, there we go. Um, I don't know if this is. Like, Snowpiercer is just a little longer. It's two hours and six minutes. This is two hours on the dot. Um, I've not watched Okja, which is a Netflix movie he did um, oh. from 2017, which has uh, Tilda Swinton, Paul Dano, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, I believe. I didn't uh, realize oh, that was Giancarlo him. Esposito. Yeah, uh, I have not. Have you watched it? No, but I knew about it, and I knew about the cast. Yeah, and this one uh, seems to be a little more hit or miss with people. 
Um, it's still a highly rated, like 75 Metascore, but uh, I just haven't got to it. It's on my list. That one's also two hours. And then Parasite, I feel like, was a little longer. Yeah, two hours and 12 minutes. So his movies average about this length. And I, I would say they all have a similar pacing. Snowpiercer is so propulsive um, because of the, I think the nature of the story that you're in the back of the train and you're going forward. So you're always moving with them. So I don't feel like that movie ever just sits um, or it feels like it's just sitting. But uh, I think this and Parasite are similar in, in the way you sit with the family um, because they're, they're, they're not, always moving this movie moves a lot i mean they're they're bouncing around from location to location but there are times where they're just in a place uh dealing with the scenario and the chaos of this monster attack that has shocked the the town um and has man some of the the monster effects it's that's the only thing that i feel is dated with this movie is some of the visuals are not super great but they're not bad um but overall, like the monster design is really cool, and some of the scenes with the monster are freaking crazy. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, you sound like you are more positive than negative, so that's good. Mm-hmm. So let's get into spoilers, guys. From here on out, we're going to talk about the host in great detail. You have been warned. So when the monster uh, first, like the fir- when he, well when the monster grabs the daughter. I love the framing of the shot because the monster is already out of the frame, but you see his tail like in slow motion, whip around and grab her and like, just pull her off out of frame. Like I love that the way he shot it. I just think it's, it's so impactful. Like, especially cause you're from the perspective of the father who thought he was saving his daughter. He, he grabbed the hand of the wrong kid, which, Oh my God, can you imagine how guilt stricken you would feel if you grabbed the wrong hand? That- um, I, my stomach, like, sank. I felt nauseous a few times in this movie. Like, just, like, that realization. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah, because uh, yeah, we all thought that he had his daughter, too. And then we see, like, yeah, the long sleeve or something, and I'm like, oh, no, that's not right. Yeah, his his framing of, uh, of the shots in general are just so powerful. There's so much visual information. Um, there's the little things, like, we see uh, the his sister choke during the archery competition. She, she hesitates for too long. And then that costs her later. She gets hurt because of that. Um, there's so many little things that this movie sets I, up and then just successfully pays off. And I think that it's very interesting. Cause I feel like at its core, it's a movie about fate. Cause mm. like so many things wouldn't happen. Like if she, she it seems like she comes home early because she ends up with the bronze and she feels like a failure. Yep. And then like at the end of the movie, can I just jump forward really far ahead? Yeah, yeah, jump around. Okay, and then at the end like he ends up losing his daughter, but he ends up saving that orphan and he's raising him. And I mean, obviously mm-hmm. it's not good that he lost his daughter and you know, but there now there's this child who didn't have a family at all, who is not having to live in the sewers and steal from places to eat anymore. So, well, and and, and he's changed completely too because his his father is now gone, um, who sac- who's dead at his fault too because he told him there was a bullet left. I mean, to be fair, I guess the monster still may have killed the guy, but. He thought he had a bullet left in the shotgun. He didn't. Oh, he miscounted because that's that was it. his brother. Oh, no, it was him because that's why he starts counting. He, um, you see him like counting on his fingers, and he's like, "Oh no!" And the dad's like already pulled the trigger, and there was no bullet. So, oh, um, you mean the grandfather? Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. The but... grandfather, but that's not his grandfather. It's the girl's grandfather. He calls him yeah. granddad in reference. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess I, for confusion's sake, I shouldn't say dad because the the dad of the girl is Park. They're all Park because the last name is first um, in Korean. So Gang Du is the father of the girl, and his his father is I think Hai Bong, and um, yeah, he he kills him on accident. I mean, he's the reason that he dies, and so now his daughter is dead. So yeah, he he's like he's running the shop. The shop is back in shape. It looks like, 
Um, he's done a lot to get where he is. And even the way he kills the monster where he like steps in front of the monster, um, you know, the monster's trying to escape to the water cause it's on fire and everything. And he just stabs it in the, in the head <laughs> with the, uh, the post. Um, I also, I thought he was going to be hurt because like they, even the way they show like his hand, like the imprint of the pole on his hand, I thought there was going to be like an injury or something. Cause it's, it's framed. So tight and slow like there's a reveal happening and there isn't um but maybe the reveal is that he's okay um that somehow he managed to do this uh and that's the one thing i, I like to get into so the reason this movie's called the host is that the monster supposedly has a virus that um anyone who came in contact with it apparently could be infected and especially if you touched it and um uh our our hero if you will and uh, fights the monster at the very beginning with a another civilian but an american civilian who i don't remember the somebody i like i feel like i've seen him in something before like he looks super familiar um i think it's david Unsemlo, but yeah he's not in very much so I, I must be he must just look like somebody but um they like they are fighting the monster and the monster steps on his arm it's later revealed that he's military apparently but um, he wasn't, he was in civilian clothing at the time and, uh, blood splatters on his face. So he's supposedly infected. And then from my understanding, and Corey, if I'm wrong, please correct me. But, um, the, the, the whole virus turns out to be a hoax, um, that there is no virus. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, so he tells the other doctor that there is no virus, but yet they still lobotomize him instead and that the was attempt to silence him. Nuts. By the way, I can't remember and like he's... what time period it was that those were so popular. But um, I, was just I think like, it's oh. the seventies. That's why uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest deals with that too. Mm, okay, because he's lobotomized at the end of the movie. Oh God, that's right. Um, which I guess to be fair, that the movie's in the seventies. The movie came out in the seventies, but that doesn't mean that's when it was set. It might be a little bit before that, like fifties. Um, I can't remember for sure what the time period was in the movie, but um, yeah. So, uh, so the whole virus thing is a is a conspiracy theory by the government. Um, there's definitely some commentary about that. There's the Agent uh, Yellow, um, which I think is based on some truth about like chemical warfare, uh, and it's debatable, I like, guess, to why they, they do that. Like, they don't really explain why the virus is not real. Um, or, I mean, obviously, I understand why it's not real. I don't I don't know, like, if it was just a way of controlling people, if it was a way of uh, scaring, if there was something else going on. I don't feel like they, they explain the motive for the lie um, so much. But, um, yeah. But that's, I think that's maybe up for us to decide um and uh, you know conspiracy theory is a real thing so well, um I, oh go ahead no it's i mean uh that if it's about the virus i say you go ahead because i i'm i'm ready to like i'm about to shift into another topic so okay because it seems because they start giving warnings that you need to be at least so far away from this and if you can hear this recording you're still too close and they're, yeah. like, putting all this into the air. But it doesn't seem like that is even slowing down the creature. And then we end up finding out that the dad, the main character, is still alive. It's, you know what I mean? And it, we aren't mm -hmm. given any implication. Or it's not, I don't know, that he has any issues. I don't know. Yeah, he seems very functional um, overall. Like, the like the lobotomy didn't do anything. Um but then again, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like there's some interpret interpretation stuff that I didn't fully grasp yet. Um, but I, I do want to talk about the daughter because so the monster has like spit out. They don't really explain his eating process, but he he, he apparently carries a bunch of stuff uh, to locations and then spits it out. And maybe we'll eat it later, but doesn't seem to eat everything he spits out later. But she's the only one initially who survives that transportation. Like she's not dead at first. 
Um, and so she, uh, she's waiting, 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 hoping someone will rescue her, hiding from the monster when she can. Um, and then a, a little boy shows up, which Corey already referenced um, that later, you know, he'll be there. But um, she is so awesome in these scenes because she's clearly terrified. But when the boy shows up, yeah, she is. And um, the scene where she goes to, like, jump off its back to, like, get on the... Um, <laughs> on the the uh the she's made a rope out of like the dead people's clothing um and then it picks her up with the tail i was so like what's going on what's happening why isn't she moving (laughs) yeah oh man that was so crazy um got me but yet how she like she still tries to fight it off and then it it it's it is a shame that she doesn't make it. it it's quite tragic but um i do the there's um i a meta narrative. I, th- I think what the film there's a whole speech, so it's not like it's super like not there. But uh, the grandpa gives a speech about what it is to lose a child, and that everyone needs to be more understanding to um, gang do because you just don't understand what he's going through. And I think that's a big part of the you know a horror movie. Um, the monsters rarely represent the monsters. You know, they represent something else. And I definitely think mm-hmm. that the obvious thing here is um, the loss of the, just the loss, like period. Cause mm-hmm. there's that whole sequence with everybody mourning all the victims. And um, I think that's a big part of what the movie's doing is, is just like grieving and going through the motions. And so her being gone um, with the chance of hope is that you know that that myth and then there's the um the regret that they all feel and they, each one's dealing with it in their own way uh you know some blame some point the finger and whatever um and then like i think the 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 young boy the homeless boy is ultimately the um moving on you know that you you don't have to stop living because somebody else has died that you it is okay to have another child and try to try to do a better job make make right the things that you feel like have you did wrong chance. and that's what i feel like we see at the end yeah like there is there is opportunity for second chance and there's nothing wrong with it like you can't undo the past but you can move forward i think there's a lot here and that's one of the reasons why i really like bong jun ho i think he's really really good at giving you an engaging entertaining story on the surface and having tons and tons of stuff that you can uh, dissect and analyze um, underneath. And again, some of that may not be his intention, um, but that's just the, the mastery of the art here is that there is so much that you can take away that uh, having just watched this movie yesterday, um, you know, I don't, I definitely don't feel like I'm, I'm there yet. I don't think I've had even enough time to process everything the movie could be doing, but just uh, the initial attempt, I'm, I'm already just like, blown away by this movie it's it's because it's a fun i i found it to be a very fun monster movie um in a lot of ways uh it's you know the monster attacks are really cool and again i don't think the the visuals are the best i've ever seen but i think they're really good and i think they hold up pretty well um but that's if, if there's a weakness that would be it and i don't fault the movie for that you know it's 2006 when this comes out um you know cg monster but I, I overall like the monster design. I like the way the monster moves. Like it's almost like swinging like an ape. It looks like a big old catfish with legs. Like yeah, that's what it reminded me of. But it, what is crazy to me, like, because isn't it five years after they dump that stuff that then all of this happens? I believe so, you are correct. So where has the monster been all this time? Because it didn't just shoot up to that size overnight. You know. And it hasn't been eating people all along, even though this is obviously a very populated area where a lot of people go to have picnics and hang out and stuff. It just, yeah, out of nowhere. I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess there could be an implication that it was eating, um, you know, other people, like maybe other homeless people or something in the, Mm. in the early stages. Um, the, The point where he throws up all the bones um, and given how we've been watching him eat, it does imply that he's been eating for a long time um, because like there's a lot of bodies in the, the pit that she's hiding in that he has not eaten yet. Yet there's a bunch of skeletons that come out of his mouth. Right. So it, like thing like a snake um, doesn't have to eat 
a lot, right? Like it eats like once a month or whatever. Uh, so maybe it's something along those lines. Like, again, we're getting into like a lot of semantics with that, but um, I think, I think it makes a little more sense than it initially might feel, but you're right. Cause it, I don't know for sure if it was five years, the Wikipedia just says over the next several years, um, there are site there are sightings of a strange amphibious uh, creature in the waterway and the fish in the river die off. I didn't catch the, there's no fish in the river. No, I didn't either. I mean, they showed us a few different ways, like few different times that there were weird, weird things in the water that weren't supposed yeah, to be. Uh, it's a very, sorry, personal movie. Like we see somebody commit suicide. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought that yeah, he yeah. wasn't going to jump because I don't know if I saw something. I mean, he was aiming, you know, planning to die anyway, but I don't yeah. know. And um, oh, the movie definitely uh, part of it feels a little generic at times. Not not generic, but like this. Um, look, look over there, and like we don't see it, but we just see a bunch of people looking in this direction. I mean, it's kind of it reminded me of the Jaws uh, scenario. Like maybe he knew it wasn't going to look as good as he wanted, so he was trying to delay seeing the monster as long as possible so like there's just a bunch of scenes of people going you see that oh look at that thing that looks weird and it's like you we're just looking at them looking in the direction of the creature or like they'll look and we can barely see a silhouette and like how are you making out all those details audience but you know uh i'm okay with that because again i i feel like it's you know it's a concession the technology probably wasn't there this is definitely maybe a lower um had 11.8 billion that's not a dollar, so I don't know what the money's called, but uh, it looks like $11 million U.S. budget. So that's that's a low-budget movie for us, but it's a Korean film, so I don't know what the normal budget would be for like a Korean film or not. But, you know, it definitely um, – it has those, like, traditional uh, horror tropes and stuff, but, man, the performances in this movie are super strong. Um, there is, like – he always has a weird kind of sense of, like – there's, like – parts that feel comedic and you're not really sure if you should be laughing or not like that to me is the epitome of Tilda Swinton's character and and Snowpiercer yes like because she when she shows up I'm like wait is she is she making a joke I can't tell if I should be laughing or if I should be disturbed and I feel like he does that on purpose he makes you unease uh he puts you in a state of unease with that he does it in Parasite there's a lot of the movie that's super funny but then you're like wait Shouldn't you feel kind of like, laughing? Right. And they do that a few times in this movie uh, as well, where there's like scenes where it's like, is it supposed to be funny right now? I can't tell what I'm supposed to be feeling. Um, and again, I think that is uh, intentional. I think it is supposed to put you in the state of unease and uncertainty. And because so much of it is a lot of times the characters are trying to make sense of their own situation. Like they're just like, we don't understand what's going on. And you're like, yeah, what is going on? And it's, man, it's just such an experience watching his movies. And that's one of the things that I've really come to like about his stuff is like, I am just invested in the characters. I I am uncertain of so much and yet completely uh, invested in what's going on. And I just want to keep watching to see what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's really good. Is there any, so, uh, yeah. And uh, so if you haven't seen it and you've listened to this far in the episode, uh stop you should go and watch it um but i, I do we, i i totally recommend this movie for sure we don't get a lot of creature films no not I, anymore especially not i, I yeah. like a creature film yeah like yeah. Uh, honestly for me with horror that's it i i tend to be more forgiving to a creature film than i am to like a lot of other horror that's fair like, especially, like, I like the Friday the 13th films because I like Jason, you know? I, I don't think they're good movies, but I have fun with those movies, you know? And um, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the Hatchet movies. No. Um, I forget. I think it's Victor Crowley is the character's, like, name. Like, but it's a, he's a, essentially a monster, and it's, like, it's... The, some of the movies are super cheesy, but they're a lot of fun. And um, I, I feel like those qualify as creature-slash-monster movies. Uh, maybe I'm wrong because they're more, like serial killer turn monster like jason was a person but no longer but i feel like that fits um but i tend to like those type of movies at least where there's like a supernatural being it's not a ghost but they like 
survive things or monsters like this uh in the host um i really enjoy that type of thing so mm. anything else you want to say before we wrap up mm. uh no i i did like it better than i was expecting given that it was a creature film because <laughs> i just expect them to kind of be cheesy but i never thought of like the friday the 13th movies that way yeah i I mean i guess i mean yeah wouldn't freddy yeah i think so but again i might be wrong because they are slasher films too which is a different genre but the thing to me that works with them is that it has this like entity in the center of it that is more than a human you know because even like halloween mike myers is always a human but he can't be a human. The dude's been shot like so back. many times. Yeah. So um, lock your doors, people. Lock your doors. Right. So yeah, that's again. I'm sure people would make some arguments against that, but in my head, that's where I kind of view it. So, um, I didn't think how, about it that way, but it makes sense. Yeah, I like it. Um, how, where would you rate uh, the host? You go first. I go first. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to go not quite Golden Pony Boy, um, leaning towards Musty. Uh, it's definitely got a lot there. Um, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's essential viewing, but I definitely think if you're a, a fan of the director or, um, just a well-made creature flick that, uh, with something to say, mind you, I think it's worth watching. I'll go with not quite Golden Pony Boy, a solid, like, like not leaning anywhere else gotcha what were you gonna say it sounds like what you just copied me um, yeah i did well but... it's like it's kind of like a decent watch but not really because i do think that it's saying a lot and i it's true like his movies are so much more than just as on the surface and they are gonna sit with you for sure for a while well that is it for the host uh we will be back next week um with Corey's next pick which i am drawing a blank on <laughs> i was like i hope up. you know what it is <laughs> um i'm pulling it up now and it is uh oh oh uh, a classic one i've seen though uh midnight cowboy uh finally gonna get checked off Corey's list uh dustin hoffman <laughs> my criterion and, um john voight yes it's uh we both have it on criterion blu-ray um, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere because of that, because I already own it. Um, I but feel like it was on Prime, actually. It looks like it's for rent on Prime, but it looks like it's okay. a $0.99 cent rental right now. So, listeners, if you snatch that up before too long, I don't know, by the time you hear this, it may not be $0.99 cents anymore, but Dustin Hoffman, John Voight, directed by John uh, Schlesinger, um, a classic film, to say the least, one I am looking forward to revisiting. Um, and in the meantime... You can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And if you like what we're doing, we ask that you just take a few minutes and rate and review the podcast. It helps us tremendously get new listeners and continue to grow our our uh, listenership. So um, in the meantime, we say stay safe, socially distant, but keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. Bookreviews.com. <laughs>